over there. They're not your friends. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Take the running backs to the stands, run up in the stands and slap their mama. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, give Pitches it, to... it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's, he's, he's got something. He's got something. He's got it. 40, he's got it. 20, 10, he's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. The doctor is now in. And a very good Friday afternoon to you. It is the T.C. Martin Show live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. No better place to be, of course, on a weekend, especially a football Friday. T.C. Martin, Double B, Brian Benowitz, our VP of Casino Operations here at the Cosmopolitan and our gracious host, Numchuck on site, back in the house here, making it all happen. And my right-hand man, Nick Nice, back in the fold at the studio, making it happen there making this sound uh, glorious. And wherever you may be, streaming live at tcmartinshow.com, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, wherever you may be, and even our good friends in Canada who may be listening to us because they're still flying in from WestJet. Yeah, well, no, they're here. They're here from Calgary, and <clears throat> Jerry, the dentist, and Olga said to say hello. They were on their way back <laughs> on the same flight. Uh, just look at this crowd, TC. I was just at the airport, yeah. and there was lots of Dolphin fans coming in, lots of Raider fans coming in. It's just an exciting time to be in Las Vegas. And, uh, I mean, it's... 2 o'clock here on a Friday, and it's already crowded with people ready to go. So it's there we uh, go. pretty exciting. It is a typical football Friday here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. We're glad everyone that can join us here uh, live in person. And, of course, we are here, as you know, each and every Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. And, of course, the show daily, Monday through Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. And, of course, you can always listen to us wherever you are via the web at tcmartinshow.com. All right, today we will get into a very busy college football Saturday. We'll handicap uh, many of the marquee games as well as the NFL as well on Sunday and a pretty good Monday night football game as well. Raiders taking on the Dolphins like you mentioned, Brian. Looking forward to that. And could we be talking about the 3-0 Raiders at about uh, you know 4.32 p.m. come Sunday? Boy, I sure hope so. They've shown uh, they were supposed to be 0-2. They were big dogs in both games, uh, outperformed and played very well and deserved to win each game. Uh, so maybe they can go to 3-0 and here. I mean, this is the one they're supposed to win. They're supposed to beat the Dolphins. Uh, so uh, time will tell. And the good news is first preseason game of the Vegas Golden Knights followed up at 7 o'clock. So for those of you like you and I, doubleheader. <laughs> the, the doubleheader. There. Are you wearing the VGK already? I did. Now, wait a minute. I don't know if, you know, it's, you know, the VGK, it, it's early on to be wearing VGK. I, well, I, I would expect, well, I know we're not going to see any UCLA blue after that today, travesty that we well, saw at the Rose Bowl today, last Saturday. Today I had a choice. I mean, this weekend you got Michigan playing. You That's got true. Winnipeg playing. You got UCLA playing. You got uh, the Raiders playing. You got them all playing. However, the Knights are going to take the cup this year. 
and it all starts with the, with the future of the Knights, which is this first preseason game come Sunday. So that got my support. So I was going to ask you if uh, our Canadian friends, especially you know Jerry the dentist, you know got over to a City National and was checking out some of the practices. He did not get to City National. We did take two really long bike rides. Went on a nice bike ride to uh, <laughs> to Blue Diamond and back, which was a, a beautiful day out in the desert. And uh, which channel he was that, it, by the way? He, and, he was, on the, was on the bicycle channel. It was on the bike channel. Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, different for Jerry. I mean, he's used to being in Winnipeg, and Winnipeg's quite flat. So uh, this was uh, about a half a mile up on the whole ride. So it was it was nice. I got to call out a guy though here in the back row. Okay. Uh, he looks like he's a Michigan fan, judging by his shirt. He's not even looking at us right now. Yeah. His shirt says, uh, Buckeyes are poisonous. Is that what it says on his shirt? Uh, there it is. I there got you go. it. There it is. Go blue. Yeah. Bu- Buckeyes are poisonous. Yes. I like it. I, I don't see any maize. Ma- I see the maize there, the maize right. I really don't see any blue. That's the whole shirt's blue. What are you talking about? Uh, I, I, it, must be the blue. Di- it must be the disco light show here inside the Cosmopolitan. Yeah. The lights. There it is. I got it. Okay. All right. Look, look gray to me. But then again, that's what happens. You know. They got Rutgers this weekend. They should pound them. You think? Yeah. My buddy uh, Christopher Hume is making his first game in the big house. He's all excited this weekend. I think it's parents' weekend. Uh, Brooke didn't invite us, but we'll be out there for the <laughs> Ohio State game on November 27th. Very excited for that. You and 110,000 others. Uh, maybe 111. That's true. Maybe 112. You never know how many people can, they can cram in there. All right, great stuff. All right, we'll be uh, previewing the Saturday action, the Sunday action here for you for the next two hours. And, of course, our best bet segment, our award-winning best bet segment, coming your way next hour, so hang tight for that. Uh, Trevor Maddich will be joining us, the 15-time Emmy Award winner, the former 12-year NFL veteran, and he does a fantastic job, of course, on ESPN College Football. You can always catch Trevor on Sports Centers, and, of course, the college football guru and a great friend. Appreciate him joining us. And, again, Trevor had such a good time, Brian, that he says, I'm in all year for the best bets. He, you know what, Trevor's a fantastic guy. He really knows his college football. Obvious by his record in college and my record in, uh, in his in pro, he's a college guy. So yeah, he's, right. he's great to hear, and he really adds a, a nice twist to it, an insider take, and, and, and great knowledge of uh, the matchups, which is uh, good to see. All right. Uh, Matt Holt will uh, join us next hour as well, too, uh, as part of the Best Bet segment. So we'll have a good time uh, with that. And, of course, all of our best bets up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Uh, Scott Spritzer, our Resident handicapper from Doc Sports, our longtime uh, handicapper and friend. His picks up on the website. Gilby, the intern as well. Uh, who? Gilby's off to a great start. Yeah, well, and, and Gilby not here today. Why? Because he's he's partying in Wisconsin right now, getting ready for Bucky Badger and uh, the Irish tomorrow at Soldier Field. So he will be there. Oh, that game's at Soldier Field. Yeah, that game's at Soldier Field tomorrow. So make a note of that. Neutral Hmm. field. And I'm really looking forward to that game because those two iconic fan bases that you have both at Wisconsin and Notre Dame and both campuses are, you know, about two and a half, three hours, you know, from Chicago. And, uh, you know, know, kudos for them pulling that off to play in a neutral site. And it is going to be like one of these bowl (laughs) games where literally – they the this the uh, the stadium will be split in half, so it's be split you know half red and white and half uh, you know blue and gold, maybe mixed in with a little green with the Irish green as well too, depending on you know what they decide to wear. But anyway, yeah, it's 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 50-50 right down the middle with two great fan bases. That is going to be like a bowl game tomorrow. That's great. I'm excited to see it even more so now that you've explained it to me. Yeah. The uh, uh, who gave up the home game? Do you know? Was it Wisconsin? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both teams have, even though Notre Dame's undefeated, they've underperformed so far. So uh, it's a, it's a, it's a. We don't really know what you have in Notre Dame yet. Uh, they've kind of eked out a couple wins against subpar teams. 
And, uh, you know, Wisconsin played a really poor first half, I'd say, and actually the whole game against Penn State. Uh, but I, I think that uh, we'll know a lot about both these teams moving forward uh, after Saturday. Yeah, looking forward to that. And another neutral site game will be happening in Jerry's World in Arlington. you got Texas A&M and Arkansas. We'll dive into that game as well, too. you got number seven against number 16. And the Hogs definitely have surprised a lot of people, especially with their big victory against Texas where they blew them out. It'll be interesting to see how Arkansas fares against this A&M team because this will be the first real physical team that they've gotten a chance to face, especially on the defensive side of the ball for Texas A&M. Uh, and again, again, you're talking about uh, you know proximity, you know, right there in um, in Arlington, where you have tons of A&M fans and tons of Arkansas fans. And we know that you know both of those schools recruit heavily in the state of Texas, especially that Dallas uh, Fort Worth area. Yeah, absolutely. What a great game, great matchup, early season game. Uh, it, it's funny how in, within two weeks we got all these nice matchups to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Arkansas was ultra impressive the way they whipped Texas mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago. Texas bounced back and handled the, the kind of a powder puff and rice. Um, but Arkansas, you know, are they for real? Is what it comes down to. A and M struggled against Colorado, and I gave Colorado too much credit last week. Right. And Colorado really uh, laid an egg against Minnesota. So, uh, you know, is A and M as good as people have touted them to be? Do they deserve that ranking? Personally, so far, I'd say the answer is no. Uh, but, so we'll see after this week uh, who comes out of this game looking good, especially in that hotly contested SEC West. Yeah, yeah. and the thing about it is with A&M, they've won 11 in a row, believe it or not. A lot of mm-hmm. people don't realize that. And again, you know I've never been a, a Kellen Mond guy, and thank goodness he's gone. But now, uh, you know, they've recruited a couple really good freshman quarterbacks, and their quarterback is pretty decent. But that is really not the strength of the A&M team. they got a couple of very good running backs. And uh, like I said, the defensive side of the ball is where really Texas A&M kind of makes a name for themselves. And you're right, uh, that Colorado game, I mean, was was one of the strangest games to watch. It was a very low-scoring game. And I think a lot of people, you remember, Texas A&M was a, was a double-digit favorite. Well, it was a 17-point favorite point. You know, in, in that game. And Colorado ended up covering easily. But, you know, again, uh, A&M has not put their best foot forward and their best game together yet. And I think it's just a matter of time because talent-wise, and even coaching-wise, I mean, Jimbo Fisher, you can make the argument, okay, Jimbo's good coach, bad coach, whatever, but he does have a lot of horses on that roster. He does. He's got the best money can buy there in A&M. You know, he did in Florida State as well. <laughs> uh, Jimbo Fisher, was uh, that first half against Colorado was putrid. Yes. Colorado should have been up by yeah. two, maybe three touchdowns in that game yeah. and kind of didn't score, didn't put the ball it, in the end zone. It goes back to that quarterback and, situation. And, and, and yeah. really allowed yeah. A&M to hang around. And A&M just kind of eked it out in the fourth quarter yeah. there. Their defense showed up in the second half. Uh, but they, they're going to have to produce some more offense because this Arkansas team can run you over. They're going to hurt you. A bunch of big hogs out there ready to go. <laughs> suey pig. Yeah. There we go. As our, as our guy Houston Nett will say. Yeah. A little suey pig. Yep. All right. Uh, so a lot of great uh, games. we we, we got to address. we got to address what happened in, in the Rose Bowl last Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, I was actually listening to that game uh, because I have DirecTV and, of course, they don't. Uh, DirecTV does not have the Pac-12 network See, that's on there. You, so that was a bad choice by you, TC. Well, that was a bad choice. You got to go Dish Network. They have the Pac-12 network. Yeah, but then you know you got to have my NFL Sunday ticket that I've had for 20 plus years. Well. There you go. I so. get it on Dish. You're okay. Okay, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. You want me to leave the DirecTV family? That's like a that's a long breakup I, for me. I, I would break up with them if they didn't have the Pac-12 network, which is an excellent network. Yeah. Okay. How they haven't gotten that on is is beyond me. I watched the entire game, okay. TC. Uh, I actually uh, had a dinner to go to. And so I got home, I recorded it, and uh, 
Uh, did you have some chicken? That's all. I, did you have the fried chicken? I, I uh, yes. You did. Yes, so you, bit, you, just you, for you. Yeah. And, and, Jer and Jerry pieces. the dentist enjoyed the fried he chicken did. and blue ribbon. Very nice. It was. It was. I want to make sure. Okay. So as I digress, I'm sorry. I I got home and. Obviously, early on, Fresno is just the better team. Fresno is, is working ball control the entire first half. Uh, I want to say they had uh, a two-to-one ratio snaps to UCLA. Um, however, UCLA's hanging in the game. Uh, a couple of missed balls uh, by DTR. He dropped the ball, went back to pass, and just dropped it and <laughs> lost it. So the game is kind of fluttering along where it looks like it's going to be Fresno's game. And I think the score is about 26 to 17 going into the fourth quarter. And UCLA forces a couple of turnovers, two beautiful drives, go back and take yeah. the lead. Yeah. So they take the lead 30-27 uh, to 27 yeah, they got, 31. They got, they got two touchdowns in the final couple of minutes yeah, to take the lead. 27, yeah, 31-27. The fourth quarter was crazy. 54 seconds left. Yeah, they, well, but before that, this kid gets right. banged around. This this uh, Huber gets banged around, and, and UCLA's playing soft coverage. They're, he's allowing to hit 10-yard outs like the like it's a, like for me to you. And uh, Fresno goes down, takes the lead. UCLA goes right down the field, takes the lead with 54 right. seconds left. And the only thing I'm thinking about is the way this defense is playing. they got to get to the quarterback, but they're playing too soft. And in 40 seconds, I mean, it was a blink of an eye, Fresno goes right down and scores. And uh, very disappointing to lose the game by three. UCLA showed a little heart, but it's the same old defense uh, where, and that's a physical Fresno State offensive front and defensive front. They took the running game away, tried to make DTR beat them, and while he was able to lead them back, Fresno had too many guns is what it came down to. You were at the UCLA-LSU game where yeah. UCLA played spectacular yeah. in, in that game, mm -hmm. and you also called it last week. You yeah. said this is a very dangerous situation for UCLA. And a lot of people thought, okay, it's Fresno State. Sure, they're a quality Mountain West Conference team. You think of the Mountain West, you think obviously of Boise State, and uh, you think of Fresno State. Yeah. But still, I mean, usually in these type of games, Fresno State doesn't win these type of games. But this, I don't know if UCLA just let their guard down, or like you said, is this the same old UCLA that we've seen the past couple seasons? How was that? I mean, you were there. How yeah. was that defense against LSU? Uh, against LSU? Well, LSU is soft, believe it or not, compared to yeah. Fresno. <laughs> LSU soft. Do you know what you just said? They're That's soft. They're, LSU was a soft ball club in that game. They thought they'd come in and waltz all over them, and they didn't. Yeah. This team took it to UCLA. They smacked them in the mouth. Game came down to the wire. I mean, it's not like uh, uh, UCLA quit. Fresno took it from them. Fresno was the better team on Saturday night. They deserved to win. They probably deserved to beat Oregon yeah. in that game. Right. Fresno could be sitting at 3-0 and in a top-10 team right now, right, if all went well. They're not. This guy, Huber, I don't know how he's walking. I mean, did you see him at the end of the game? Yes, I did. And, and I, uh, I was listening to him on the radio, and they said they were they were shut. UCLA announcers were shocked when that this guy could even come back in the game. When when the when the drive started, and they hit him on the first drive. I thought they got to take this guy out. Yeah. Uh, I, but it was like watching Roy Hobbs yeah. <laughs> stumble around out there, or and he just made every pass right on the money. But UCLA allowed that. They allowed it by having such soft coverage. And I don't know how you don't jump that out route because they ran it every single play down the field. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, there's 18 to 22-year-old kids. For two weeks, they're told them, hey, way to beat LSU. They get a pat on the back. You guys are going to be great. Oh, where are we going to play the Rose Bowl this year? And you've got to prepare for those teams. And the better prepared team was Fresno when they started. And at the end of the game, Fresno deserved to win, and they did pull it off. And I'm going to sit here like I love to, uh, you know, uh, 
show blame uh, to your boy DTR, your quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Again, it, it, I think up until that last drive, I think he completed nine passes, I'm not, you know, or that's what he had at the end of the game. And again, missed re- receivers, dropping the ball. Again, if UCLA had a better quarterback, they would they would be three and zero at this point in time. Plain and simple. And I just I'm not sold on this kid's game at all. DTR miss he gets a little excited. He misses some guys open. Doesn't put enough air under the ball. Uh, remember he didn't play a lot of quarterback when he was at Gorman. You know he played a lot of receiver before he got there. Uh, and he did some great things with his feet. Uh, in this game, uh, and to be, totally, to be totally honest, it was a team loss. This wasn't a DTR loss. Uh, he did everything he could to get them back. He made some beautiful passes on their, their second-to-last drive, but then Fresno came back and took it. All so right. well, um, I'd, I'd give him a pass here. This is an important week for UCLA. they got to go up and play on the farm. Yes. Stanford's beat them 12 out of the last 13 times, yes. including last year's debacle. Yes. The UCLA blew the game and, and the end of the COVID there. So... Uh, if you're looking for a good spot, I, this is not the spot to jump on UCLA this week. Yeah. I mean, you think they could bounce back. That Stanford team, uh, they woke up after a crummy game against K-State right. and, and walloped a pretty good USC team. There you go. Yeah. You know, I, I had them on the best bets a couple weeks ago in that game, and that led to Clay Hilton getting fired. And Stanford back at home. They're playing well. And could the wrong team be favored here? Stanford is getting four points at home. Yeah, I mean, Stanford went in and played the weakest of the week in the SEC at Vanderbilt. I think that was one of your best bets. You thought Stanford maybe have a letdown last week. No, that was your bonus pick. Yeah. Your bonus pick. No, no, actually, Trevor picked Stanford. Uh, Trevor picked Stanford in that game. Yeah, somebody somebody I was off that game, yeah. Yeah. But we, we had talked about the game, yeah. and it was it was a letdown uh, yeah. where, where you thought maybe they would let down, and they only eked out a win from Vanderbilt. Yeah. So I don't know what we have from Stanford. Um, we know what we've seen at UCLA. Yeah. Uh, if they're going to be an actual competitor in the Pac-12 South, they got to win this football game. Yeah. You actually think that I would actually bet Vanderbilt? I, mean, I thought you on. picked them I as a bonus. Not. What was no. your bonus pick last week? You gave a fourth pick. Was it The Vanderbilt? bonus pick was the NFL with the Packers. No, you gave a bonus no, college I, pick. No, my bo- no, I'm going to go back and rewind I, it. I, I, <laughs> I gave you three college, and then I was so stuck on, on the fourth uh, of four games in the NFL, and I said, and I'm going to give you the Packers as the bonus because they're going to blow out the Lions. Thank you very much. They so, did. 35 to 17. Somebody picked Vanderbilt. I'll have to go back and look. I, I, no, you're right. Somebody did. Oh, yeah, did. I think it was Matt. Oh, okay. it, it, was, it, was, it was one of the two, but we, we had people on both sides of that game. But Trevor was on Stanford minus 12. Yeah. On the road. There you go. But, uh, yeah, I, thank you for not bringing up, you know, my dog. Horrible pick of the week of Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois yeah, and, and Duke were bad picks. Yeah, Listen, yeah, yeah. I had Colorado. They only lost. Hey, Duke wasn't that bad. I wasn't uh, it playing was over the quarterback. Time. It was over to half. I wasn't playing the quarterback. Turned over five times. It was over to half. Right? Time, though. I'm in Northern just... Illinois. How was that? In Northern Illinois, it was over before they got out of the tunnel. <laughs> you and I, you and I both had, had horrendous picks last horrendous. week. You horrendous. You had Colorado. Blowouts. You had Colorado. Did this, has Colorado still Col- scored? Colorado got, Have they scored yet? Colorado had 70 yards of offense in that game. 70. 7-0. They didn't even crack three figures of offense. Against a Minnesota team that's not good. They're not known for their offense. Hey, I had the Irish last week. That was good. Come on. That was good. There you they, go. they, they, they pulled it off for you. Yeah, but uh, a lot of us uh, struggled a little bit on the college side last week, but the NFL side, we got it right. So there you go. But we got to get back to week one where all of us went 3-0. and we got to yeah, get back we'll to We'll get that. back to it. I think this is, a, this is a great docket of games, and I, I'm excited for this, this, this uh, week's best bets. All right, let's go back uh, and talk about We talked about UCLA, Fresno State. Fresno State is in action tonight against those UNLV Rebels. Oh who are currently winless in the Marcus Arroyo era the last two seasons. And tonight, Fresno State is favored by 30 over UNLV. It's a Friday night game. 
uh, CBS Sports Network. You can watch it there. UNLV plus 30. You want any part of this? No, After watching Fresno State as closely as you watched, and as closely as I watched UCNA, U, uh, UNLV get drilled last week by in Iowa Allegiant State. Stadium by Iowa State. Yeah, I would say 30 points is too much to lay. I mean, uh, I, I don't usually get involved in that. Right. If you chose, told me to pick a side and I had to pick a side, I'd take the UNLV side. Uh, a little bit of a letdown on a very physical game against UCLA. Uh, so I thought UNLV could score until I watched them play last week, and then they didn't. But if they get 20 points, you got to get 50 points to beat them, and that, that's a lot in, the, in, in, the, in college. And, and can UNLV get 20 points against that Fresno State defense that looked pretty, pretty tough? Again, Fresno has been told how great they are all yeah, week. There you go. And now it's a short week, and they're coming home. And uh, the QB, I mean, I don't, is he playing? I mean, that guy, I, could, I can't imagine him, him being able to move this week. Well, he got a, you know, he did come back and finish the game yeah. with a game-winning touchdown. And, and he's had, you know, five, five days to, to rest a little bit. A lot of adrenaline there. I guess they can, they can shoot you up and get you in there. But uh, his <laughs> ribs look pretty banged up. Uh, I would, if you made me take it, I'd take the UNLV side. But huh. I would. Only, yeah. with you, only with your money. No, no, no. I'm not, I don't want any part of that game tonight. But I know, again, the line obviously is inflated. And I know that what you're saying, a little bit of a trap game possibly for Fresno State. However, you got to remember, this is a conference game for Fresno State. So you can't take yeah. anyone lightly. And they are playing at home. And, you know, typical UNLV, like, they looked okay for periods of time against Arizona State. And, you know, of course, you know, they covered there. Uh, you know, the Eastern Washington game, they, they were horrible in the opener. And then last week against Iowa State, just looking at the lineups and the roster of, of uh, those two teams, I mean, Iowa State just, the bodies that they had compared to UNLV. And when you, when you looked at these two teams on the line at scrimmage, and then you looked at each sideline, it was amazing. Yeah. And then you, you look in the stadium there at Allegiant Stadium, there's 25,000 fans from Iowa State. And I counted, I think, 6,122 UNLV fans. Yeah, that, well, that, that's if, a bad statement, my friend. If, if you're living in Iowa, you had a chance to come to Las Vegas, yeah. you'd do it. Yeah. Vegas is a few years away. We all know that. They don't have the size. They don't have the thing going. Uh, maybe they can allow this coach a few years to get his things in place and build it. they got a beautiful stadium to play in, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Hey, two good games uh, also in the ACC. Well, one's kind of an ACC game, but Liberty favored on the road at, at Syracuse. I mean, uh, that, that's, a, that's, to me, a pretty big surprise. But, I mean, I guess Liberty's are not a bad football team. No, they're good. And yeah. then Wake Forest, who drubbed, I mean drubbed, Florida State. That Florida State yeah. is awful. Uh, getting a few points at Virginia. Virginia looked good for a half. Yeah. And then North Carolina just took over in the second half. That was my other loss there. Right. I thought I had that. actually marked it a win, and it ended up being a loss. <laughs> so make sure you remind me before... Four o'clock, so I can get my action here. So I can run to the sports book here, okay, and uh, and get action on the Virginia Wake Forest game. You today. do, yeah. So re- remind me because I might forget. Oh, remind you, you're gonna release, you're gonna release how you're gonna bet it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it can't be part of your best bets. So, it is so not. Let us know. It is not one of my best bets. It is yeah. not. But for for entertainment purposes only, I, I I do like the Cavaliers a little bit in this spot, and in I got a few stats that that kind of back that up uh, with Virginia. Virginia. Has uh, has put up some yardage, but mm-hmm. you know they gave up tons of yardage last week as well. But I mean, they gained over 500 yards against North Carolina, and uh, you know Wake Forest, uh, they've got one of the best kickers in the country. This guy's made 16 straight field goals. That's pretty good. Yeah, so uh, pretty important. Should be should be an entertaining game, but I think Virginia really needs this game, especially being at home tonight. They need it. So a slight lean. That's all. To and plus, like I said, Friday night, little entertainment purposes only. Little action. 
little action. There you go. What's wrong with that? So we've got plenty of action to talk about. All right, before we start uh, getting into some of these games here, I want to uh, touch on the news that you probably heard, Brian, with Lane Kiffin uh, a couple days ago that he addresses at his press conference. Lane, Kitt Lane Kiffin, the um, coach at Ole Miss and the former offensive coordinator for Alabama uh, from 2014 to 2016, worked under Nick Saban. And uh, he said that Alabama is cherry-picking players out of the transfer portal, getting the best players from other programs. Now, that's probably pretty true, <laughs> but is this something that needs to be said, and, and why would you open you know, this can of worms, so to speak? So, let me give you a quote here. This is Lane Kiffin talking. He goes, he goes now they go to cherry-pick players for any holes that they may have, like an Ohio State receiver, Jamison Williams, or Tennessee linebacker, uh, Henry Tutu. So now it's like not only do they get the best draft picks, but they get to go into free agency and take players. So it's really going to set up one of the most talented teams ever, which is what we're getting ready to play. Well, Nick I mean, Saban, I'd rather uh, Lane Kiffin talking about well, Alabama. It's a and Nick surprise Saban. that Alabama, that football players want to go play in Alabama with their success. I, what is he complaining about? Does he want the portal thrown away? I, I don't know what he's complaining about. This is typical, typical Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Just whine and try to shift the blame on something else. Go out and play some football. Recruit him. He's got every bit of advantage to recruit these exact same players and to get the exact same people in the in yes. the portal. So, if he can't do it and his coaches can't do it, get somebody that can. Yeah. And and you know what. Nick Saban, it's unfair. Oh, boy, Nick Saban gets all the uh, best athletes. Clemson gets all the best athletes. Ohio State gets all the best athletes. you got to go knock them off the pedestal. Exactly. you gotta, you got to get your program where it needs to be and stop whining about it. Why even bring this up? It's it, just it, typical Lane Kiffin. It, it is. And the thing about it is, he's got a pretty good program. He's got a good team. They played very well this year. You don't need to do that. And then, of course, you want to wake up the sleeping giant as well, too. I mean, Alabama, if Nick Saban and Alabama have a chance to put 50 or 60 on the board, they're going to do it. Well, they don't need any bulletin board material here. I mean, it is just, it's idiotic. And this guy has been a head coach for many, many years, besides the offensive yeah. coordinator there at, 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 uh, at Alabama. And, again, that's your former employer, and, and now you're competing with them. It, it just – this is what this guy does, and, and it's sickening is what it and, is. And, and Alabama, they got some holes. Yes. They got some serious holes on defense. Uh, Florida, that was no fluke. They, they came back in that game and took it to them. So they should focus on the X and O's and what it's going to take to, to beat Alabama. Forget about all this other garbage that he's talking about. So when, uh, when Saban was asked about this, he said, you know, the one-time transfer rule would further separate the haves from the have-nots, and that's obviously, and, you know, obviously the Alabama is the haves. Here's this quote. He goes, I think what's going to happen is you've seen player, you've seen this happen in a lot of leagues. He goes, good players go to a good team, and the bad players leave good teams because they're not playing. He goes, is that going to make the rich get richer? He goes, he goes, I don't know. He goes, you can decide that uh, for yourself. But the two players that Kiffin's talking about, Williams and uh, Tutu, who Alabama recruited coming out of high school. So Saban recruited these guys out of high school, and they opted to go to different programs, but now they're back with the tide. Williams leads the team with 218 receiving yards, and Tutu leads the team with 22 tackles. So, again, it's just it's, it's a lot of nonsense. And to your point about Alabama, they did struggle last week against Florida. They jumped out to a, to a pretty big lead. Florida came storming back, and Florida had a chance to tie this up. Final score is 31-29. Kicker. And, and there you Blame go. the kicker. There you go. you got to have a guy that kick an extra point. Right. And, and you could say what you want about that, that 
two-point conversion. You don't have to if you've got a kicker. You tie it up and you keep playing. So, I mean, many people believe that, you know, that, that Alabama may not be as, as good as you think. But, again, they went on the road early in the season with a freshman quarterback. Well, you know, first-year quarterback. And they go into the swamp, a very tough place to play against an improving Florida team. And, uh, you know, they got the win. Plain and simple, they got the win. And remember, I mean, they, they beat Miami 44-13 to in week one in, in, in Bryce Young's first start. And you say what you want about Miami, but still, I mean, you're, you're basically going on the road and you're playing these teams uh, and, and you're winning these games. So I, I don't think if you're an Alabama Crimson Tide fan, you got anything really to worry about. But I thought that, you know, they didn't cover, of course, but good victory by Alabama. All, all that really matters is getting the win. Yeah. Um, Florida exploited some of the holes they have yeah. on defense. They're a little young on defense. Yeah. And now it's up to teams to figure out what Florida did and go through and do it. Hmm. Hey, how about the Swamp playing that Tom Petty song? You like that, huh? I, I, that was new to me. I, I had never seen that there. Uh, going into like the, It's like the going into the fourth quarter, the stomp that they do at, at uh, Wisconsin, yeah, seeing yeah, the whole yeah. stadium singing, I won't back down. That was really cool. <laughs> And I'm a big Petty fan. You're a big Petty oh, fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, I, I think they're tapping into the whole Clemson thing, what Clemson does, you know, when, you know, touch the rock, Howard's Rock and they come on the field and, you know, inner Sandman, they, they, they do that. So I think more and more college campuses are doing this. And, again, you know, with the jump around. The jump uh, around, that's what it, it is. Yeah, the jump around. Well, that third stuff. to the fourth quarter. Yeah, it just gets awesome. your fans into a yeah. frenzy. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I like that. I, yeah. I like that because, you yeah, going into the crowd, yeah, everybody's yeah. going, but it kind that's of fades. they got third to fourth yeah. quarter. Lift them back up. I, I have partaked uh, numerous times in the jump around at the University of Wisconsin there in Madison. And uh, that, that is, looks fun. It is fun. It is something special. And what a lot of people don't get a chance to see when they show it on television is what they do first. Okay, once they go to the, the longer timeout yeah. at the end of the third quarter, the fourth quarter, uh, they come on out and the cheerleaders come out with, uh, and they do these, uh, like, uh, what do they call it? like a uh, barrel races? Okay. And they played the theme from Bonanza first. You oh know, my like, dun, 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 They do. They're doing that, and the, the the guys that are taking the cheerleaders and they're doing these like little like kind of you know on all fours barrel yeah. races. You know, and then all of a sudden when they're done with that, and then boom, the jump here, around. Here comes the jump around, just like that. Oh, that sounds but fun. It, the, the lead-in is the theme from Bonanza. Just a little FYI there. That's good. Yeah, you might want to pass that on to Big Blue in Michigan next time you go there. Or your friends over at UCLA. UCLA did a pretty cool thing at the Rose Bowl with their light show and the things they did going into the, yeah. from third to fourth. Uh, yeah. It rallied them a little bit for a little while in this yeah. game. The fourth quarter was exciting against Fresno. But that's a passion of college football. It makes it so much fun to see all these little quirky things that they do. And, and, and the alumni and everything is so important. There you go. Yeah. I'm sure you attended many UCLA games back in the day uh, with your shirt off and, and painted your chest uh, blue and gold. Like I, I can envision that. Yeah, nobody wants to see that. Yeah, exactly. e even in my prime, nobody wanted to see that. But uh, you had some good teams back when I was there. You're the toast. Yeah, Troy, Troy Aikman had us uh, number one in the country, so you know. There you go. All right, when we come back, we will start diving into the college and the NFL side. Matt Holt will join us next hour. Best bet segment coming your way. We are live on a football Friday from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Don't you dare go anywhere. All right, let me put, put some water on your ball. More from the master debater. Martin. You'll never know what comes out of this guy's mouth. 
Friday, a football Friday, where at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, no better place to be, whether it's the entertainment, the gaming, and of course, the food. Oh, let's talk about the food. You know I want to talk about the food. Double B? Hey, tonight, tonight. debuting, debuting, brand new restaurant here at the uh-huh. Cosmopolitan, Super Frico. <laughs> so it, it's the first night available to public, 5 o'clock. When does it close? All we listed was late. <laughs> late, 5 to late. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. Hey. It's called Italian Psychedelic Experience. It should be a lot of fun up there. I, I, I can hardly wait. And it's funny that uh, Jules had told me this morning, i got to show you the text here, that her director uh, came, I guess, to the opening of the reopening of Opium and went to... Um, yeah, we did play days the last few days. Exactly. Yeah. So, so he was there and just raved about it. Oh, good. Yes. You know, good, so. yeah. Super Frico. Yeah, Opium Super Frico. Exactly. Opium after uh, been out since March. It's his first right. show tonight. So right. really exciting times to get some entertainment and some uh, you know excitement for, for our guests to come in. And, uh, again, Super Frico is going to be a nice uh, new thing here at the Cosmopolitan. We'll have to do it maybe next week after the show. We, we, we talked about uh, yeah. that. Uh, you know, we let... Uh, let the people get in here and check it all out. I can hardly wait to check out Super Frico here at the Cosmopolitan uh, up there on the second floor. It's where Rose Rabbit Lie, Rose Rabbit Lie used where, to be, yeah. so it's right next to the Wicked Spoon. Yes. Super Frico. Super Frico. And, and do they have Rick James playing nonstop? They do. Super Freak's a, a part of it. Absolutely. Apparently, the, the, the Frico <laughs> is the part of the edge of the, the crust of the, the pizza where it cheeses up. Look at this. Italian. Yeah. That's that's what I was told. F- and, and, and I didn't even look it up. I didn't even Google it. They, I just agreed with them. I go, okay. But, but I noticed that. Super Frico. So super is spelled right, but then it's F-R-I-C-O. Yes, that's super the Italian Frico. part of it. Yes. There you go. There. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, I got the the intel, the scoop. You and I got it from the, your your head chef here at the Cosmopolitan. Yes. Outstanding. And he, and he told us all about it. He goes, no, this is going to be a, another fantastic yeah. spot here at the Cosmopolitan. Julian Griffin, our, our senior Julian. vice president of... Yeah. Uh, uh, food and beverage. He's yes. very excited. Spiegel World. They do magnificent stuff. You've seen Absinthe. Of course, you've seen Opium. They've got a, a, a Atomic Saloon down down yeah. the street. Yeah. This is their first real dive into uh, to food, and it's going to be fun. People are going to have a good time. Super Frico making its debut this weekend here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Yes. Come and check it out. All right. So college football. We mentioned tonight. Wake Forest at Virginia. That goes at four o'clock. Wake Forest. 3-0, and fourth time in their last six seasons. And they beat you know Florida State last week, pummeled Florida State. And I know how you feel about Florida State, Brian, <laughs> this team. And, and, you know, there were several of us that thought, hey, okay, let's give Florida State a pass. They're going to they're gonna bounce back. No, that didn't happen last week. They, oh got, they got drilled by Wake again. And then Virginia quarterback Brennan Armstrong, 554 yards last week against North Carolina. The problem was their defense gave up 700 yeah. 699 to be exact. Think about that. <laughs> Their defense gave up 699. Yeah, North Carolina is a weird team, boy. They, they, when they show up offensively, they are really, really ready to go. But that game's 28-24 at half. Uh, Virginia's ahead. You figure all they got to do is kind of gut it out and play a little defense. Well, they did not play the defense, and uh, North Carolina made them pay and won going away. The eight points or so, is that what I got in that game? Yeah, eight yeah, points? Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't quite enough. So yeah. I think they lost by 20. <laughs> UNLV Fresno State tonight, and the Bulldogs favored by 30 over UNLV. UNLV still looking for a win in the Marcus Arroyo area, so a couple Friday night games tonight. All right, let's look at the board. Tomorrow, college football, Notre Dame taking on Wisconsin at Soldier Field. The 
The Badgers favored by six in this game. And you've got former Wisconsin quarterback Jack Cohn is quarterbacking the Irish in Wisconsin. It's Graham Mertz. This is a uh, this is going to be a great pageantry, great game like we talked about, playing in Chicago, neutral field. The stadium will split 50-50, red and white and blue and gold. And uh, I don't know if it's going to come down to the quarterbacks, Brian. I don't know if it's going to come down to the running backs because each team has a great running game as well. Kyron Williams for Notre, uh, for Notre Dame has been fantastic. And then Ches Malusi for Wisconsin. He's another one of those kind of ground and pounders that Wisconsin has. But let's be honest. I mean, both of these teams have underperformed this year. And for me, I did not make this one of my best bets, but a slight lean for me towards the Irish just because if I can get – any points with a Notre Dame team, you know, as an underdog, I will take them, especially not, you know, against a Clemson or an Alabama or something like that. This is against a Wisconsin team that doesn't really blow anybody out. And Notre Dame and Wisconsin play similar styles. I like the Irish, you know, getting about six points here. And I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people are on, on Wisconsin here. But I'm going to go back to that Penn State game I mean, where, where Mertz wasn't good at all. I mean, he was downright terrible is what he was. And we've seen Cone you know, really not be great at Wisconsin. So he transfers out of there, has a year of eligibility left. He goes to Notre Dame. He's he's still not quite what, you know, Notre Dame had the last few years at the quarterback position. But uh, this is an intriguing game. I think it's going to be a close game. So for a lot of people who are thinking, hey, Notre Dame it, it doesn't have that offensive line anymore. They're kind of banged up. Notre Dame still has some weapons. And I think the Irish are going to come to play. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more when you said you hit it on the button. Uh, these Both these teams have underperformed. Uh, the Irish are undefeated, but they do not look like the Irish. Uh, they're not going to scare anybody. In fact, they're not scaring the betters. The betters have made uh, oh, yeah. Wisconsin a fairly sizable favorite here. Um, I, I don't know who I would lean on in this game. I tried to go to both sides of this game, and I just ended up saying, you know what, I have to pass because Wisconsin just doesn't look right to me. Uh, even when they won that game against the MAC team and you were on them and you laid the 26, it took till deep into the fourth quarter for them to even to get there. Right. And so uh, and Notre Dame, man, they, they had a game in hand against a really weak Florida State team. That game goes into overtime. They're, they're all but beat by Toledo for crying out loud. And even the Purdue game, it took the fourth quarter for them to put that away. So I, I'm, I'm not so sold on the Irish, but I'm not going to go all the way and take Wisconsin because something just doesn't look right there. Um, yeah. uh, again, this to me looks like a close game. Touchdown game one way or the other. Yep. You make your pick. I, I, I guess if you said lean to the Irish. I'm going to lean to the Irish. And then again, if, if, if you're you call me and you told me they bet them, I'll cheer for the Irish. It, it, there you go. There you go. Go, go Irish. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got both shirts, so it's okay. And again, you know, I, I do love the, the teaser variety, the teaser pleaser. Uh, you know, give me up to 13, 13 and a half with Notre Dame. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a good hard look at that uh, as well, too. So that game kicks off tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock. Should be a good contest. Great. Uh, A&M in Arkansas, we touched a little bit upon that. Again, that's neutral field in Arlington as well. A couple of the neutral sites game in uh, Texas A&M, a number seven team in the country. They've won 11 in a row. Don't know if Texas A&M is for real or not, but I know what they do have. they got a very strong defense. they got a pretty good running game as well, too. Uh, so a, a slight lean there with uh, A&M. So we'll talk about that in a little bit as well, too. But here's the team that is the big mystery, Brian, too, is, is Clemson. Yes. I mean, you know, Clemson playing North Carolina State and State pretty good defensively and State at home here. They've had this game circle on the calendar. Will Clemson get right? That is the big question because they scored three against Georgia. 
and they scored 14 against Georgia Tech last week, winning 14 to eight. They have played ugly, but the one, you know, the one positive sign for Clemson is their defense. I will tell you this about Clemson. I think they get right. They get right in this game. I watched NC State go into Mississippi State. Mississippi State pushed them all over the field. Clemson played a what looks to be a very, very, very good Georgia team and a really good defense for Georgia. Uh, surprised me. I didn't think Georgia would be that good. So I think personally, uh, Clemson goes to NC State, and they have no problem in this game. Remember that last game against Georgia Tech had like a four-hour weather delay. That's right. And so that takes the starch out of your game. And so when they re when they started it again, I didn't you know I didn't go back to it because it was messy. You know what was the field like? How did it look? Were they able to execute their plays? Probably not. They probably didn't do a lot. They just went ahead and won the game. And now this is going to be, I think, a statement game. I think it's very short. Ten points sounds very light for a team that's been at the elite level like Clemson for the last few years. Yeah, and again, Clemson has owned North Carolina State as well, too. All right, uh, Rutgers taking on Michigan. Yeah. I know you're calling for a Michigan blowout here. You know, Rutgers had themselves a, some trouble early in the week. On Monday night, they had two of their better defensive players, or actually probably their two best defensive players, who uh, had a little bit of an incident. They uh, were shooting paintballs on campus at other students, and uh, they were arrested. Is that appropriate behavior? It, no, no. no. You know, but then again, what, what happens in Piscataway up there anyway? You know. So yeah, it's a Monday night. Hey, what are we gonna do? We're three and zero. By the way, yeah, Rutgers is three and zero. And again, two of your better defensive players. They said, you know what? Nothing to do here on a Monday night. Should have stayed inside and, and watched the Packers and the Lions. Uh, stay yourself out of trouble. And they get a paintball gun and they start firing paintballs at students on campus at your own students. I don't know if uh, they didn't like somebody or what the deal was on that, but now uh, you got these guys suspended. They're not playing, and you're getting ready to go play uh, a much improved Michigan Wolverine team in front of 110,000 in Ann Arbor. Well, with you know, it's embarrassing for these kids. They should be thrown out of school as far as I'm concerned with all the active shooting and the thing that's happened across the country. This is this is bad. It probably terrified some people to see guns coming at them and whatnot. So that's that's a horrible thing. Rutgers, I liked them a few weeks ago. You remember I took them against Syracuse? Yes. I watched that entire game. They were lucky to win that. I was lucky to cover that game. They did not look good. They had put 60 points up the week before. They put, I think, 17 up or 17. So it was like a real ugly game. This Michigan team... Is just punching you in the mouth. They have not really had to throw the ball in three weeks. They just run over you. Last year week they did run. The, they did pass. They passed for 300. They ran for 400. So uh, I don't see where Rutgers going to hang with them. I think it, was it last year or the year before that game was pretty close against Rutgers. Yeah. Again, now you're going to have a full stadium there. I, 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 three touchdowns. I take them. I take the Michigan side. If anything, take them at halftime. Cut yeah. that sucker in half. Be up by 14 or 20 at halftime because you never know who plays at the end of the game when you got the, when you go into that long bench. You know, Michigan has played you know against two weak sisters you know, from the MAC and they played Western Michigan in the opener and then they played you know blasted Northern Illinois last week and uh, they've been laying a lot of points and I think a lot of people think okay this is a different Michigan team is it that much of a different team? Now they did sandwich in there with Washington, Washington. but we we know that Washington again new coaching staff and that sort of thing there. Um, they don't look that good as well. And Michigan has played nothing but home games here, so they got another one here against Rutgers. But uh, now you're playing a Big Ten opponent. It is a conference game for them. Is Michigan as good as the scores have indicated the first three weeks? Well, you don't know about the QB. The QB has not been under any kind of pressure. They've dominated the line of scrimmage. Well, they don't want to throw the ball either. So, they're, yeah. so, so yeah. why stop it? Yeah. They're, gonna, they're, they're, they're working out some kinks. He does a little play action. 
Last, I mean, what was it, 47 to nothing at halftime in that yeah. game last week? I mean, it was yeah. just a, it was a joke. So um, I think Michigan's good. I think they're a good football team. I think they're really limited as far as their wideouts. Uh, and so when it comes down to it and they're going to, and people can bottle up the run, can they get the ball out there to the people since, uh, you know, they lost, it was a bell, I think, was their, was their right. top wide that, that first game. All right, so uh, Michigan laying uh, near, what, 20 in this game against yeah. uh, Rutgers. West Virginia, Oklahoma. A little bit intriguing here. And again, Oklahoma, they were life and death to beat Nebraska as a 22-point favorite. They did not cover that game. So uh, Oklahoma does get the victory. But again, we're not really seeing too much on the defensive side of the ball from the Sooners. And now you got a West Virginia team who can play. Maybe this line is a little bit inflated. Another uh, huge line here. Do you give West Virginia a little bit of a shot? Yes, I do. Um, your buddy Ken Hoff yes. pointed out to me the first week how good Oklahoma was, and then we sat there in the bar and watched Tulane almost beat them. Right. In fact, Tulane had a very good opportunity to beat them. Yeah. Then I thought they'd bounce back, and they did. But then they get Nebraska, who they hadn't played in a while, and they only put up 23 points against that team. Um, their defense plays a little better against Nebraska. So what? Uh, this is an, a very underperformed uh, OU team, who I think is third or fourth in the country. Uh, that, that's a live team. West Virginia's gutty. They can definitely stay within the 17 points. I don't know if they can win the game. That, that might be a tall ask, but uh, I, I can't see Oklahoma, from what I've seen these first few weeks, really blowing out anybody of talent. All right. All right, Oklahoma, a 17-point choice uh, in this game. All right, any other college uh, things besides your best bets that uh, got your interest? They were kind of a little bit on the outside of your best bets. Yeah, there were two other games. Oh, Clemson's the first one that was outside my best bets. I, I really do like them. Uh, the game that really I think is a, an important game uh, will be Utah. Utah lays two touchdowns against a very, very poor Washington State team. I mean, they had SC dead to rights in that game last week and then gave up, I think, 45 or 48 consecutive points after being ahead 14-0. They looked dreadful. Uh, Utah has lost twice. They lost... Uh, um, in the Holy War. Yes. And then didn't they lose last week? San Diego San State. Diego State? Yeah. Another Mount West team. The Mount West teams are looking good. <laughs> yeah. So this is an important game for Utah. I think you're going to see uh, an inspired team. I think they're going to use their backup uh, quarterback that uh, their other guy uh, subbed out. Well, Charlie Brewer left the program. He left the program. He quit. He After he program. got benched last week, he get, said, that's it, I'm out of here. Get that guy from Baylor out <laughs> of there. Ship him back to the Big 12. Right. Now they're going to put their guy in, and they're going to perform. I think they win this game going away. Might be a little tight for a while, but I think they're going to win by, you know, 25, 30 points in this game. So I think that game, that number's a little light. Secondly, I hate to say it, there's only one side at the farm. Yeah. There's only one side to play. Uh, you cannot play UCLA in this game. Mm -hmm. You cannot. Uh, they showed very pointly that Fresno stopped the run, mm -hmm. and UCLA didn't have the answer for three and a half quarters until they got a couple of fluke plays and then got rolling and got in that game. They also showed that their pass was a little off. Uh, five and a half points at home on a team that you've beaten 12 out of 13 years. That, to me, looks like a pretty nice spot. Again, a sliver outside my best bets, but how can you not like Stanford in that matchup? I, and I do like Stanford in this matchup, but it is strange because UCLA is actually getting the money here. And I think, you know, people that are betting UCLA are thinking, okay, bounce back. This team is better than, than, uh, than they showed last week. And they're thinking, hey, Stanford is the team that they saw against K-State. You know, and David Shaw, his teams, they normally do start off slow. 
And I, I don't know if it's just because of the system there, but they get better usually as the season progresses. But this is a huge game for Stanford. Like you said, they went into USC and just dominated USC. And now they're getting this game at home against a Pac-12 opponent in UCLA. And again, I, I think for me, I'm not sure what to make of this UCLA team because when you look at the talent level and the recruiting that Chip Kelly has done, it looks pretty impressive at least on paper, and then again against lesser opponents like we saw against San Jose State and Hawaii. Look, not San Jose State, but LSU. against Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii, because USC played San Jose yeah. State, so getting that old Mountain West thing. But the opener against Hawaii, and then LSU, they look fantastic. But as you said before, LSU is not the same LSU team that we've been accustomed to. Uh, so I, I get it from a talent perspective that you're thinking, okay, this team is going to bounce back. But, Brian, I cannot bet this UCLA team as long as your boy DTR is behind center. I can't do it, and I won't do it, and they've got to have somebody else that, that can be there instead of him. Well, DTR is your man, so you're going to see him behind center. Then I'm, then I'm taking Stanford. You're going to be seeing him behind center. It's a great spot to play Stanford, and I agree with that. The money's coming in probably on UCLA because people are, 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 are maybe overrating Fresno. I mean, maybe they're saying Fresno's really an elite ball club, so we'll see. All right. So other uh, college uh, football games uh, coming up uh, as well tomorrow, too, that you may want to uh, keep an eye on. At USC, who goes on the road last week to Washington State, and they struggled for a, for a half. And then second half, it was all SC. And I agree with you. I think Utah is a play against Washington State. It's a big number, 14 and a half. But USC is coming back home, where the last time they were at home, their coach got fired. They lost to Stanford and got blasted by Stanford. Now Oregon State comes to town and SC favored by 11. I know some people think that this is a little bit of a short number. This is a good spot for SC. Yeah, it does seem like a very, very short number against uh, what's probably a pretty bad Oregon State team. Right. Uh, if you made me pick it, I would take SC. Really, I didn't want to lay double digits. I was hoping to come in around 8 or 9. But 11 does seem a little light, even so. It seems like the number should be 14 or 15. Uh, there's some another one that looks light is is Washington only laying seven against Cal. Cal is uh, you know a, a middling team. Washington was supposed to win the win the the North, and uh, that's only seven and a half. To me, I looked at it, I'm like, wow, that seems a little light. Then you kind of delve into the numbers. Washington really hasn't done much, no. so it, it's hard to support even them at, at home. I'll give you this, you know, the Cal, I was on Cal two weeks ago, and, uh, you know, Cal has been pretty impressive this year, and Cal has basically taken care of Washington, I believe it was, what, five of the last six meetings, and, uh, you know, Cal has covered, and they've won the game outright, and if I'm going to play this game, I'm probably going to take a shot, you know, with the Bears here, I think there's, there's plenty of value with the Bears, and uh, again, they can, you know, Garbers can play quarterback. I mean, he can throw the ball down the field. So I do like Cal a little bit, you know, in this game. And one more I'll throw at you here is uh, Texas and Texas Tech. You know, this Texas team got blasted uh, against Arkansas, but they answered the bell very nicely, you know, last week. And uh, this Texas Tech team, you know, this is a Texas team that normally handles this Texas Tech team. The number is nine. You could say maybe that's a little bit short. I was on the outside of my best bets. But if I had to play this game, and I probably will tease this game down, I like the Longhorns. I like the other side. I like the other yep. side plainly because I think Texas is a dog. I think Arkansas exploited that they are not ready for prime time. They're a weak club. I just put a scratch through the fact that they beat Rice. Who cares? There's 20 or 30 people in this sports book right now <laughs> that could go give Rice a game that's right true. now. Yeah. Right now. That's how that's how that's how weak they are. Just, and so I just I don't I, I just forget about it. To me, this number should be about four. 
Well, so I, I, I don't. I, I look at it the other way. Again, it was, it was outside of my best bets, but right. I, I did like it. I'm gonna throw one back at you. Do you have an opinion on the LSU Mississippi State game? To me, that's a field goal game uh, with the spread. Yeah. Down with all the. They won't have their cowbells since yeah. it's an SEC game, but right? That's a tough place to play, Starkville. Slightly towards the Mississippi State in, yeah. in this contest. Yeah, yeah, I do. Again, you LSU's gonna have to prove something to me, and they haven't yeah. proven anything to me yet uh, at this point in time. So yeah, slightly towards the. Uh, Mississippi State and the Dodgers. Gotcha. All right. Sounds good. All right. I will start taking a look at the pro side when we come back on the other side of the hour as uh, Matt Holt will join us. And then our best bet segment coming your way as well, too. Trevor Manich is going to join us. Looking forward to that. And, uh, yes, our three best college plays, our three best NFL plays, all there for you right here on the show, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. And don't forget, get involved here in the Sportsbook. If you're a tourist or you're a local, you can get some free money in your account, too, by using the promo code TC50. That's what you got to do. If you deposit $50 into a brand-new account, boom, they will match it with an additional $50. Just go to the counter and use it. Promo code TC50, not just here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, but any of the William Hill sportsbooks around town. Hour number one in the books, hour number two coming your way. We talk NFL, best bets, and more. TC Martin, Double B, Brian Benowitz here, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas on a football Friday. It's time. Live. Let's rock this place. Let's have some fun. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance tonight. Diagnosis, prognosis, osmosis. Say what? It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. The doctor is now in. Hour number two, glad to have you with us. T.C. Martin Show live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. No better place to be. The sportsbook powered here by William Hill. People flocking in, getting ready for college football tonight, Major League Baseball. We've got the wild card race at hand here. And, of course, a big-time college football weekend tomorrow and then Sunday, the NFL and Raider fans in the house here as well. We're seeing Miami Dolphin fans, of course, coming from the great sunshine state of Florida. Dolphins and Raiders happening at Allegiant Stadium, 105 kickoff, and the Double B tailgate party is in effect. It is in effect. There you go. It is in effect. Fu is had, he's all excited. He's going to get there at 9 a.m. Get things set up. We're going to leave here from the Cosmopolitan at 10. Take a little stroll, get there at 10.30 and be ready to rock and roll. And uh, excited for these 1 o'clock starts. That, yeah. that first one, Monday Night Football, was an exciting game, thrilling yeah. game, yeah. wild finish. But I, I like the fact that you're starting in a traditional time. Mm-hmm. Get up, you do the breakfast, you get there, and you, and you, and you have a good one. So. Yeah. So, so the tailgate festivities is 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 breakfast? Is it brunch? It's brunch. Is it lunch? It's it's a brunch. It's a brunch. Okay. It's a brunch. You know Charlie. You see him. You've seen him cook. He'll lay it all out. He's very excited for this first one. Uh, ready to go. He's having a little difficulty with his television to try to set up. So I might have to have uh, Mike uh, take a look okay. at that. Silver but, and black Charlie. This guy. He's he's a black holer. This guy is yeah. phenomenal. Uh, big time Raider fan. Uh, it looks kind of looks like Ted Nugent. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, dead ringer for Ted yeah. Nugent. But uh, he's a Raider fanatic. But uh, I, I was always impressed with, with Charlie's cooking skills. Oh, yeah. This guy is sh- – forget Chef Boyardee. This guy is a chef. So I can only imagine how he is going to go all out. Because, as you know, you know, been invited uh, to, to his uh, 
beautiful uh, bachelor pad, yes. uh, you know, where he, he goes all out, starts cooking like a day before. I can only imagine for a tailgate at the Legion Stadium with the Raiders what his spread is going to be. He, he can't be more excited. <laughs> he can't be more excited. He's, he's leaving the food. He just says, come home, come hungry. He goes, you're not just to sit there and, and mess around with a Doritos bowl. You've you got to be hungry for his tailgate. That's his one rule. Otherwise, you're not coming back. He do, won't invite you back. Do we have back. a teaser what is on the menu? Uh, you know, no, no. He's going to keep, he's keeping it close to the vest. Really? So the, it, close to the vest. Going to blind, huh? Yeah, I'm thinking we'll really? probably have something that, that, that's, you know, a, a taco maybe. I don't know. You think? Taco, then we'll see. I think he's a rib guy. He, he can do everything. He can do it all. Okay, there it is. He can do it all. It'll be, there'll, be, there'll be a lot of food there, a lot of drink, and a lot of fun. And uh, one thing you mentioned, uh, it's really nice to have uh, the Raiders here in Las Vegas, and it was really nice to have all the Baltimore folks come in and, and enjoy the game uh, in, in what they felt was a safe environment, which sometimes you go to opposing arenas and you don't feel that way. Uh, and that was one of the problems with Oakland, to be frank, is yeah. uh, uh, people felt uh, that they couldn't wear their jerseys there and had to root silently for their own teams, and that shouldn't be the case. And so uh, I, I think that uh, it'll be a welcoming, but still a very, very loud and pro Raider fans uh, at Allegiant. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Frank. So speaking of Frank, a, a shout out to our good friend, Ballpark Frank, who uh, has been in the hospital the past couple weeks. And uh, it was great to, to have him on the air for a little bit yesterday to give you, all of our listeners an update on, on his condition and how he's doing. And, uh, you know, go ahead and send, him, send Frank a shout out uh, via Twitter at uh, VGK Frank. And uh, as well, you can you know, also follow him on Facebook as well, too. He's checking all that stuff and uh, keep up to date with him. But uh, sitting in a hospital, going through uh, a myriad of tests, he's battling cancer. And uh, our thoughts and prayers, obviously, go out to our good friend and my tag team partner, Ballpark Frank. And uh, I, as I told him yesterday, Double B, the, uh, the microphone, the headset is waiting for him. And he's going he's gonna to lick this thing. He's attacking it. And, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to him. And uh, he wanted to shout out to you yesterday and everybody else and all the listeners out there who have uh, uh, sent him positive thoughts. So, uh, Ballpark, we, uh, you know, we know you're probably out there listening in that hospital. And uh, we'll keep on keeping on with you. Well, we certainly miss Frank. He's a fantastic human being. And he's a tough guy. He's a, he's a tough guy, and if anybody can beat this thing, it's going to be Frank. He's a tough guy. He's going to take it on uh, with both fists. So uh, we wish him nothing but the best. And uh, uh, I miss sitting here because I, I, he, he keeps me abreast of what's going on in the tennis world. That's true. And uh, he's, got, he's got a, a vast knowledge of so many different sports, yeah. and it's just a pleasure to have him on here and uh, you know, wish him a speedy recovery and, and to get back on here and get doing what he loves to do. You got it. All right. Ballpark Frank, my man. All right, speaking of my man, we've got uh, Matt Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity. Of course, part of the team here for a long, long time. And uh, we always love having Matt, you know, here at the dais, especially on the Fridays. It goes goes back so many years, whether it's football or it's basketball, it's year-round, of course. And uh, now Matt goes from one side of the counter to the other side of the counter, and he's got a great business at U.S. Integrity, really trying to keep the integrity side of, of sports and dealing with all of these uh, collegiate conferences and everything else. And uh, Matt's joining us by phone today. What is going on, my friend? And I'll tell you, Steve, I remember the first few years I met Frank, and, and everyone used to call him Ballpark, and, of course, it got stuck in my head somehow, and I used to call him Hot Dog Frank by accident. <laughs> I would walk around saying, hey, it's Hot Dog Frank. I just absolutely love the guy, and I can't say enough good things about him. I, I hope wish him the best. I saw his Facebook post yesterday. Wish him nothing but the best along the way. 
boy, do we have an exciting weekend ahead of us, PC, including a big UFC pay-per-view right here in the fight capital of the world. We do. And, man, why don't you go ahead and kick us off and start us off with that for our UFC uh, fight fans as well. Pretty good card, like you said, uh, T-Mobile Arena here Saturday night. Yeah, double title fight. Uh, featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky, who's undefeated in the UFC on 18 straight fights. Uh, defending his title against 18 and 1, Brian City Ortega. This is going to be a really good fight here. These are a couple of guys at 135 pounds that can really throw down. I'm excited for this main event, man. I think it's going to be great. And then the second most dominating female fighter ever, Valentina Shevchenko, put her title on the line against Lauren Murphy. If you look at the odds, it looks like quite a mismatch, especially for the UFC. The problem is they just can't find anyone to fight her at 125 pounds. All right, Matt. Let's uh, take a look at this, some of this uh, NFL stuff. We talked a little, a little bit about well, quite a bit of stuff here on the college side here in the uh, first uh, hour of the show. But uh, if you, outside of your best bets, and we'll get to those a little bit later on, uh, is there a college game that uh, didn't make your best bets, but you got you got your eye on? Yeah, probably Kentucky versus South Carolina. I bet fan of since Mark Stoops got there, but they are coming off an ugly performance, barely holding on against the FCS team Chattanooga last week. I mean, I understand it's a look-ahead spot, but South Carolina is quietly starting to play better the coaching staff there. The Wildcats five-point road favorite. Look, both of these teams probably aren't going to be bowling. Uh, you know, some September just because of how tough the SEC is, so there's a big game in the SEC East. Now, let's face it, outside of Georgia this year, the SEC East is wide open. Winner of this game is going to be a contender in the SEC East. Loser, probably all done, SEC title hopes that bridge. All right, on the NFL side, let's uh, start diving into some of these games here. And uh, Justin Fields is going to be making his first start for the Chicago Bears. They're going into Cleveland to take on Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Uh, the number here seven and a half on the Cleveland side here. And uh, we know that Andy Dalton was anointed uh, the starter, but he is, uh, is injured. And Justin Fields did not win this battle in training camp. And uh, he's starting just because Andy Dalton's injured. Do you think... This is uh, the beginning for the Chicago Bears that we basically see Justin Fields from here on out. I assume that we'll never see Andy Dalton again, barring any injuries from Justin Fields later this season. But with that being said, I think if you were the Chicago Bears, you would have preferred to find a slightly softer spot here in the next coming week to have Justin Fields make his first start. The Cleveland Browns, are they're one of the best teams in football in the trenches, basically their defensive and offensive line. I don't know that you wanted Justin Fields to make his first start on the road against that defensive line. But, of course, injuries sort of dictated that they had. And the fans have been clamoring for this now since the day he got drafted. They're going to get their wish. Tough spot for the young man to make his first start. Yeah, they, I think it is a real rough spot. I, I don't see him being very competitive uh, this short into a, uh, his NFL career for him to go on the road 
to me, that seven points looks real light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I like the way Cleveland uh, has, has played, especially you know last week. I know they didn't end up covering this game, but they pretty much dominated that game from start to finish. And I really love what, uh, you know, what Mayfield is doing and the rest of that offense. And they're going to get Odell Beckham Jr. back, and uh, that'll be a positive. But still missing Jarvis Landry, who is you know, their number one receiver. It's not Beckham Jr., but it definitely is Landry, and that's who Mayfield loves to hook up with uh, as well. But you know, we look at this Cleveland team, you know, they got the dual threat at running back as well, too. I mean, you got Nick Chubb, and then you got Kareem Hunt. And that is probably the reason why, here's an interesting stat for you, is that the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield uh, have the best play action, uh, you know, results. I believe uh, Mayfield is 16 for 16 on play action through the first two games. And, you know, when you have the double threat like that at the running game as well as, you know, uh, uh, the passing game as well, too. I, I don't know how the Bears' defense is going to be able to handle this, especially with the soft corners that the Bears have. I mean, they've got problems at safety. They've got problems at corners. I mean, I, I think this is a, a golden spot for Cleveland. Yeah, what, what a luxury to have those two running backs. Uh, and what has become not a, not a running back league anymore, uh, they can run the ball, and both of them can catch the ball, and it's just uh, it just opens up so many facets of their game. All right, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, we saw what happened last week. I had Tennessee, went into Seattle. <laughs> Seattle looked great for the first half, and then, boom, it was all about the Derrick Henry show right after that. Now Seattle's got to go on the road and play against a Minnesota Vikings team that really has underperformed, and you can make the case that the Vikings should be 2-0. and I mean, again, they choked away both of these games, and uh, now they're going to be at home. The Vikings have a chance to basically be 0-3 here if they can't get this job done. This is going to be a huge game. This is going to be a tough game for the Vikings. Matt, how do you how do you see this? Do you want a part of either side here? And if, if so, which one? I don't right now. Initially, I wanted a piece of the Vikings. Because of just what you said, the Vikings very well like they should be 2-0. feels like they should be 2-0 this season. But now that Delvin Cook is hurt and banged up with the ankle injury, that makes me like Minnesota less. Didn't have a lead that way. Kelvin Cook, such a big part of their offense, just like Chris McCaffrey is to the Carolina Panther offense. So for that reason alone, I think I'm going to pass on this game. But if I was forced to play, I think I'm still taking the home team. They're back against the wall, and it's not a Vikings. Yeah, I, I don't know about this. I thought Seattle was going to be a lot better last week, and they were for about a half. And then you had a team that was had their back against it in Tennessee, just ran them over and, and came back and won that game. So uh, I would probably I, I don't I don't like this Minnesota team. I'm gonna say it point blank. I think they're gonna be 0-3 after this week. I'll lay the points and a half or so with Seattle. All right. Uh, you know when I look at this game, I again it, it's it's very tough to to call here. I would love to back Seattle because Seattle's a great road team. They are fantastic on the road. And I even mentioned this last week in the best bets where I say, you know, they're vulnerable at home. And I, I pointed out, you know, the game against the Rams last year and then, you know, in playoff games where, you know, Seattle can be uh, gotten at home and, and they can, you know, teams can slide under the number there. And then Tennessee just won the game outright. I think, you know, when you look at, at this situation, Minnesota has played well enough to win. You got Dalvin Cook. Cousins really has not been that bad. I mean, this is should be a very good spot for the Minnesota Vikings, but how can you trust the Vikings when, you know, you talk about a kicker earlier. I mean, the kicker lost them the game last week. I mean, play, plain and simple. Um, 
So I, I don't know. I, do, I really don't want any part of this game, but I really tried to, uh, to, to make a case here for, for the Vikings so they, in, the, in, in a camp. The Vikings have a season on the brink. If they lose this game, they could just circle the drain the rest of the year. Right. You know, that's how I look at it. They just, they, they're 0-3. They're, they're not going to be able to come back from that. Right. All right, uh, let's move on here, and let's uh, take a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Rams. Uh, Tampa Bay is a point-and-a-half favorite there against the Rams. Uh, SoFi Stadium, I'm really not sure if SoFi Stadium is, is much of a home field advantage. It's definitely more of a home field advantage for the Rams than it is the Chargers because uh, <laughs> the Rams obviously have more season ticket holders, and the Rams obviously you know a, a better team. But when you look at Tampa Bay, they'll probably travel pretty well, and it is Tom Brady coming to town here. This could be a good spot for the Rams here. I mean, catching a point and a half, they're at home, and uh, how is uh, Tampa Bay going to travel here? And I know a lot of people say, hey, this Tampa Bay team could probably run the table. Maybe they can go, you know, 17 I think that's ridiculous. No one is going to do that. And uh, people were saying the same thing about Kansas City last week, and, you know, now that's, that's taken care of as Baltimore beat them on Sunday night football. But Tampa Bay, Rams, this this game has all the markings of being a solid contest here, and I got a slight lean towards the Rams. Yeah, I got way more than a slight lean towards the Rams. Mm. That is their home stadium. Basically, the Chargers are a tenant of that team. This Rams team could play good on both sides of the ball. They got their quarterback believing in them. They got a good young coach, a good system. Uh, they get the Buccaneers. They're chomping at the bit to show people how good they are. Mm. And you're getting a point. Mm. I love the Rams in this spot. All right, Matt, what are your thoughts, Tampa Bay and the Rams? I'm with Brian here. I really like the Rams in this spot. Historically, if you're going to get Tom Brady, you get him in September. This is a team that knocked the pick six and had an opportunity to blow that game against Atlanta. Trailing at home to the Dallas Cowboys is a nine-point favorite. It's less than a minute to go. This team is massively underachieved. Tom Brady historically has always had his most struggles in September, as well as he did last year, even in the winning year with Tampa. He struggled in September, including getting waxed in the opener by the New Orleans Saints. This feels like a really good time for a red-hot and healthy L.A. Rams team to go down there and get the win, take that number one spot at the NFC in the early going. All right. Raiders hosting the Dolphins. And the Raiders here, a four-point favorite. And, uh, you know, when you look at the look-ahead line, Matt, going back to last week, the, uh, the the Raiders were like a, a one-point favor, basically a, a pick them here. And now, because Tua is not playing, you got Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback, and the Dolphins put a big zero on the board last week. No NFL team should put a zero on the board. And Buffalo went into Miami last night, uh, last week and shut them out 35 to nothing. Uh, embarrassment. And I don't care who you are, Jacksonville, anybody Detroit you should be able to score and I'm serious an, an NFL team to get zero especially on their home field it's inexcusable here but I think there's a little overreaction to the line here and really when you break it down is there really much of a a difference between Tua and Jacoby Brissett and I'm not thinking there is that much and I know a lot of the handicappers are thinking the exact same thing here because Tua has not performed well at all over the last two years and you know before he got injured you know last week he wasn't looking very good I'm not sure that uh, there's much of a drop off here with Jacoby Brissett yeah that game got, that game got away from him last week um, the, the Buffalo Miami game um, Miami was trying to make the game 14 to 7 
They made a big turnover in there, and then they just kind of uh, laid down after that. So really disappointing effort to see the Dolphins do that. you got to think that they're going to come up high in this game. But, heck, the Raiders should be 0-2, according to the, the bookmakers, right? Huh? Four-point dog, six-point dog, win-win. Raiders look like they're playing pretty darn well. Uh, yes, there's probably no Josh Jacobs. But this this kid Drake, we yep. love the Drake. You love the He's Drake. He's running well. They're using they're they're bottling up our, our, our tight end Waller, opening up some of these other guys. Rugs ran through the ball and caught a beautiful ball to, to put that game away in Pittsburgh. They got the best kicker in the entire league. Uh, to me, three points, four points looks a little cheap. Right. And I, I'd say the Raiders are probably the way to go. Just the, this would be game four for me, just outside of my top picks. Yeah, Kenyon, Kenyon Drake going against his old team, the Miami Dolphins, the team that drafted him and he spent the early part of his career with. Matt, your thoughts on Raiders uh, lane four against the Dolphins? Well, I can tell you right now in my Circa Millions card that uh, Miami is going to make my card at plus four. I actually okay. think the value is... Can you guys hear me? Is it still yeah, coming in fuzzy? You're, oh, you're good. You're, you're good. good. You're going. Oh, good. Yeah, I like the Dolphins. They're going to make my card. I, I, I think that this is a good bounce-back spot for them, and I like the fact that Jacoby Brissett got all the reps in practice this week. I think Miami bounces back. I think it's a really close football game. Josh Jacobs more important than people are making him out to be in the Raiders' offense. All right. Packers taking on the 49ers in Green Bay off the very impressive performance, at least in the second half, against uh, the Lions last week at Lambeau Field. And now they travel to the 49ers. These two teams know each other very, very well. And, uh, you know, you can make the argument here, too, that, okay, San Francisco three and a half here. And the way Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing, which hasn't been great, does San Francisco deserve to be nearly a four-point favorite in this game? You know, this one's a little bit tricky to me because San Francisco seems to have Green Bay's number the last few years. Green Bay's defense has had a ton of trouble stopping that San Francisco running attack, but as we know, San Francisco's backfield is banged up. They're missing several key guys in that backfield. That offense did not look very good uh, last week against the Philadelphia Eagles, managing only 17 points. So at this point, is this a really hard game for me, a complete pass? I almost wanted to take the Packers, but the recent history with these coaches, with these two teams, which are basically the same team, same players, same coaches, is very heavily tilted in the favor of San Francisco. But I don't like the roster situation for the 49ers who run the football, especially in the backfield. I think I'm going to pass. Yeah, I really like the 49ers in this spot. Uh, the Packers coming off of a short week beating a dog. They beat the Lions. Who cares? <laughs> they beat the Lions. So now, now that you, we all saw them play against the Saints. They, they couldn't play at all. This team, the, the Niners, has a great defense. They held a Philly team that scored, I don't know, 40 points against Atlanta to 11 last week. Uh, I like the 49ers, and yes, they're banged up, but I think this number's a little cheap. I think they win by a couple of touchdowns. I like the Packers in the spot. I like the Packers plus three and a half here. I'll tell you why. Guy. Well, no, not, not necessarily. Not necessarily. And, 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 I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because the, the 49ers do not have a running back on this roster. They got had to get two practice squad guys from other teams. Okay? It's becoming an irrelevant you, position you, in you, the NFL. You, <laughs> but, uh, no, w watch for Aaron Rodgers to light up this defense. you got to remember, with Sala being gone now as a defensive quarter, this is not the same 49er defense. I mean, you look at the final score in Detroit, the 41-33, I get it. It was garbage time, but still... You know, for them to have those type of lapses in the fourth quarter of that game against Detroit, you know, very uh, unimpressive, you know, you know, for me whatsoever. And I think, again, you're going to get the Packers. 
This is a much better Packer team than we saw in week one. We were all shocked at that. But we knew that the Packers were going to answer the bell. They rarely punted in that game against the Lions. Okay? The, in, in San Francisco, yeah, San Francisco is is not that San Francisco team that we saw two or three years ago. And Jimmy Garoppolo has been downright awful. His accuracy has been terrible this year. I take a good, strong look here at the Packers. Almost made my best bets, but uh, definitely be involved with the Packers on a teaser okay. on this one. I, I, we're going dis- to agree to disagree. I think I think they knock Rodgers out of this game. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. yeah, that's what I think. I think that defense gets all over him. You saw how he panicked in that first week, and I think it's going to happen again. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, on the NFL side, uh, let's continue looking at a couple games here, and then we will get into our best bets a, a little bit later on. You know, Matt, we talked a little bit earlier in the week about the the underdogs in the NFL. Week one, dogs went 12 and four. Last week, dogs went nine and seven. Uh, why why do you think this is? Do you, do you think there's maybe some some uh, some line uh, mismaking some lines here, or why are we seeing the the dogs dominating here the first two weeks? Well, I think that there might be a little bit of line mismanagement due to some of the rookies. I think some of the rookies' performances last year with Justin Herbert and uh, you know the young man in Cincinnati kind of caused some of us to believe that rookies advance maybe quicker than we do. And we saw Jacksonville open as a favorite in Week One this year, and so you know the Jets getting a little bit more respect than they probably should have in the first week with a rookie quarterback as well. So I think some of that. You know, we've seen a little bit of, you know, sort of overvaluing of some of the quarterbacks, period, because it's such a quarterback-driven <laughs> league. But at the end of the day, in a salary cap league, there's a lot of parity. And NFL games come down to a few big plays or a few big penalties quite often. And thus, in a situation where games are so tight and games are coming down to a few plays, that favors the underdog, especially if they're catching a lot of points. All right, and let, let's, fa- let's face it, people bet the favorites. They think that they're the better team. They bet the favorites, so that number might be pushed up one or one and a half points than it, than it really should be. Uh, and now they're betting all across the country legally, so you're getting a little even more action in it. So you're seeing that those lines may be slightly inflated this year uh, on the favorite than you would in years past. All right, Saints and the Patriots, this game in Foxborough in New England, a three-point favorite. Uh, thoughts on Mac Jones thus far after two games, Matt? Yeah, I, I think it's okay. For, it's what you would expect for a rookie quarterback. Again, you know, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert sort of got our rookie expectations inflated last year, and suddenly we thought Mac Jones is going to come in and light the, light the world on fire, Trevor Lawrence, but he looks like a rookie quarterback. He looks confident. He's well-coached. He's trying to do the right things, but he's still a rookie, and he's not able to go through the progressions like a veteran would at this point. So the New England Patriots offense is pretty much struggled in both games but that defense in New England man is that defense really really good and Jameis Winston's one of those quarterbacks that when he has a bad day could throw three or four interceptions I don't like you know the idea of laying points with a rookie quarterback here but I got a feeling that we might see famous Jameis throw a pick six or two in this game and I'm leaning toward the Patriots so famous Jameis is this is he more of what we saw against Green Bay, uh, where he looked very good in the opener, or is he more of the old Saint, uh, famous Jameis that we saw last week, where he was horrendous? Crab legs is crab 
Well, I think that this is a different Jameis Winston with the New Orleans Saints than he is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just because of offensive game planning. You know, New Orleans wants to run the football so much more than Tampa did. So if you remember, even in that first game, Jameis Winston threw for less than 200 yards. He just threw for five touchdown passes, so he is incredibly efficient. He is not throwing for the type of yards he did in Tampa. People that believed that Jameis Winston might throw for 5,000 yards this season were absolutely crazy because it's not in the New Orleans game plan right now to throw the football that much. And if they do, they don't feel like they're going to be successful. So I think Jameis is okay. I don't want to hate on Jameis too much. But the one thing he hasn't done so far in the two weeks is make the big mistakes, but he also isn't making a lot of big plays downfield yet either. All right. Yeah, you, you may want to look at playing the over-under, and you know I'm not a great over-under guy, and this is a light little number at 42 and change. Uh, 42 and a half, 42, I'm talking like a, yeah, right, a horse yeah, race. Right, 40, 42, 42 and a half, but I, these teams look like this has all the making of a 13 to 10 football game. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's going to be tr- who controls the ball, who doesn't make the turnover, uh, maybe uh, – you know, a special teams play comes in there. But, yeah, I don't think either offense is going to produce two tremendous points in this game. All right. Looking at it all. All right. Here on this uh, Football Friday live from the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, when we come back, we get into our best bets, our three best college plays, three best NFL side. So hang tight for that. And, again, no better place to be here on a Friday than the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. T.C. Martin, double B with you on a Football Friday. Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. It's good. A football Friday right here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Don't forget to jump in here at the Sportsbook. Powered by William Hill. We got the promo code TC50 for you. What does that do for you? It gets you $53 in a brand new account. That's right. Deposit at least $50 into a brand new account. And then they will give you $50 if you use that promo code TC50. Easy to use. Whether you are a tourist or you're a local, take advantage of this. And again, instead of waiting in the long lines, go ahead and use the mobile app. So easy to use. Bet where you watch the games. The only way to bet here in the great state of Nevada. And for people that are just visiting here at the Cosmopolitan or anywhere else, remember, you can open an account real easy within minutes and then just play for the weekend and then cash out before you leave. Use a mobile app. Avoid the long lines and everything else. It is uh, the best way to go. The William Hill mobile app. Very, very easy to use. TC, look at this sports book. Already rocking and rolling. They got the Ryder Cup from Wisconsin right now. The the U.S. team's yep. up five to one, and uh, people having a good time there. And uh, people playing shuffleboard, billiards. It's just a lot of fun as we uh, warm up for the weekend activity. It's just going to be a, a great, another great weekend here at the Cosmopolitan. Whistling Straits. Been on that course uh, many times there. Yes, in Sheboygan, uh, Wisconsin. You're uh, probably whistling. shooting the low seventies, is my guess. That's, that's uh, no. Uh, I was horrible on that because uh, it's it's like a British Open style course. I don't like those courses, especially right, right there on Lake Michigan. Uh, the wind brutal. The wind's howling uh, pretty good. It looks I, like yeah. That. I covered a couple of PGA championships on that course, and uh, it, it was it was phenomenal. You talk about an atmosphere. You, you know, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, and company. Uh, you know, when they had that when I was back there, it was a. Uh, it's an amazing course. Not easy to get to, my friend, too. Little two-lane highways out there. Yeah. I, think, I, I took one drive through Wisconsin a couple summers ago. You saw Patrick came back. I went to his wedding, so we went up and had a, 
uh, you'll like this for lunch for us. So we had four different types of pie and cheese curds. That was our that was our lunch in Wisconsin. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. All right, all right. It is time for our best bets. All right, so Trevor Madge joins us, Matt Holt, and, of course, all of our best bets up on the website at tcmartinshow.com, our three best pro and our three best college plays. Uh, let's get into it. First of all, let's welcome in our guy from ESPN, the former uh, offensive lineman, played it all in the, uh, 12 years in the NFL and does a fantastic job, of course, with ESPN and college football, the 15-time Emmy Award winner, Trevor Maddich. Trevor, what's going on, my friend? Hey, I am excited. Another big weekend of football in college and in the NFL. Can't wait for it to get going. All right, here we go. So let's get it cracking here with the best bets. Double B, start us off on the college side. Give me your three best college plays. On the college side, I'm going to start with Kansas State plus six at Oklahoma State. Last year, the Wildcats lost a heartbreaker as a 12-point dog. However, when you really look into the game, uh, they did outgain the Pokes by over 100 yards in that game. They blew a 12-0 lead, and the tide turned on a couple of key turnovers, which keyed Ohio State to victory was an 85-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Now you make this its double revenge. This year, Oklahoma State is focused on running the ball, but this K-State team has been a beast against the run. They're surrendering less than two yards per carry. And a matchup of surprising 3-0 teams, I'm going to take the uh, seven points with the dog. Secondly, I'm going to go against Matt. I, I really like this Kentucky team, minus five on the road against South Carolina. Simply put, this, this Wildcat team, uh, they're much better than they were the squad that destroyed the Gamecocks last year. And anybody that didn't remember that game last year, to recap it, Kentucky scored on their first possession of the second half to take a 34-3 lead against South Carolina and route to a 41-18 route. South Carolina is just not as good as their record. They were very fortunate to beat East Carolina, and they got beat up by Georgia. Now they start their backup quarterback team that just really doesn't have a very good offense. In fact, they're awful, TC. How bad? They rank 96th in the country in yards and 112th in touchdowns scored their offense. Uh, I like Beamer as a new coach, but not enough has changed here with the personnel-wise. I think this will be much closer. I'm going to lay the five points with Kentucky. Lastly, I'm back on Sparty. Michigan State minus five against Nebraska. I don't know where the respect is for Sparty. All they've done is win convincingly at Northwestern and then at Miami. Nebraska is a middling, middling two and two team, losing to a doormat in Illinois, and then hanging with what's to be a very vastly overrated uh, uh, Oklahoma team. Nebraska's tenth-year quarterback, <laughs> Adrian Martinez, he's been there since uh, I was in high school, I think. He's prone to the big turnover, and now the Huskers are without their starting quarterback, Gabe, Gabe Irvin. Uh, Spartans are three and zero. They're looking to cement themselves as a real contender in the hotly contested East. They cover this number with ease. All right, double B coming strong. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have some thoughts on, on a couple of those games as well too. There you go. Trevor Maddich, what do you got? Give us your three best college plays, my friend. Okay, I'm starting out with North Carolina minus 12 and a half at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech looked really good against Clemson last week, and part of that was Clemson's offense still can't get off the dime. But it was a very emotional game for Georgia Tech. Clemson was fighting for their football lives at the very end where the Clemson defense had to put up a heroic goal line stance in order to preserve the win. Georgia Tech lost. That's deflating. Now they're going to face North Carolina. North Carolina struggled in the opener at Virginia Tech, but then they have found their mojo. Sam Howard quarterback is playing like the Heisman candidate. 
that everybody expected him to be. He is absolutely lights out. Five touchdowns last week against Virginia, for goodness sake, on the way to 50-plus points. I think North Carolina is going to roll over Georgia Tech. And then I have got Army, minus seven and a half, against Miami of Ohio at home. Miami of Ohio's running defense is not good. They're giving up five and a half yards of carry against pretty good rushing teams. Army is more than a pretty good rushing team. They're one of the best in the country. Again, they've added some play-action pass and some throwing down the field to balance out the run a little bit. And they have been unstoppable on the ground. This is one of those games where I think Miami is just going to want to get out of there by the time the fourth quarter starts. And Army will absolutely take over. I mean, giving up seven and a half points in that game to me is my most confident pick of the day. And then Clemson at NC State. I've got them under 47 and a half. I like the under in this game. Two reasons. One is that Clemson's defense is lights out. NC State has a pretty good offense. They've got good experience on that side of the ball, but they'll run into a buzzsaw with this Clemson defense, even though they lost defensive tackle Tyler Davis to a torn bicep. But it's the other side of the ball that gives me the most confidence that the under will be the play. Clemson's offense still can't bust the grade. They couldn't against Georgia Tech. I get it, you can't do it against Georgia, but NC State has a very experienced defense. This is not the kind of defense that gets pushed around by an offense that is not really at the top of its game. And right now, Clemson's offense can't run the ball, but to balance that out, they can't throw the ball either. So I like both defenses to dominate, and I like the under in Clemson at NC State. All right, Trevor Madge coming strong. Matt Holt, bring it on, brother. I'm going to start off with the Fighting Irish, plus six and a half against the Wisconsin Badgers. This game is being played on a neutral field at Soldier Field, yet it's being priced as if it's at Camp Randall. That's obviously not the case here. Even though Wisconsin listed as the home team, this is a neutral site game. And in fact, I'd be willing to wager there'll probably be more Notre Dame fans in the stands than Wisconsin Badger fans. Look, Notre Dame had a couple of sluggish games. You know, they they were in control against Florida State, sort of let the lead slip away and had to win in overtime. Same thing with Toledo, but they dominated last week against a good Purdue team. Um, And I think they're going to step up here. I expect this to be a really good football team. Win or lose for the Irish, they're going to be in it. I took the six and a half points. I also took Utah State plus nine. The last time that these two teams played in Utah State, Boise won 56-21. Absolutely embarrassing the home team here. Utah State hasn't forgotten about that. This is a one and two Boise State team that has slowly but surely started to deteriorate the last few years. They're not the same team we talked about five, six, seven years ago. They didn't even win the Mountain West last year for a change. I think Utah State is going to be fired up for their opportunity to get revenge against the bully of the conference in a down year. I took the nine points with Utah State. And I took West Virginia plus 17 against Maryland. Oklahoma's 3-0, and but they're... But in two of their games, a five-point win against Tulane and just a seven-point win against Nebraska, I thought they were extremely unimpressive. And if you look in terms of the point spread, they didn't come close to covering a point spread against either of the Division I teams they played this year. Look, West Virginia was a, a couple of bad plays away 
from being 3-0 and this year, a couple of bad plays away on the road at Maryland in the opener, coming off a really impressive win against a good Virginia Tech team. I think West Virginia is going to be in this game for the long haul, and I took the 17 points against the Sooners. All right, there he is, Matt Holt. All right, well, I'll take you to this. We're going to go to Jerry's World, Texas A&M and Arkansas. Arkansas has gotten a lot of love after beating Texas a couple weeks ago, but they aren't facing the uh, Texas this week. No, A&M is a different beast and a different animal altogether, especially on the defensive side of the ball. These guys have met nine times since joining the SEC. Do you know what the record is, Double B? What's the A&M record? A&M is 9-0. and oh. That's right. Last meeting, 42-31. to 31. A little bit deceiving because it was 42-17 to 17 until Texas got a, a couple garbage, uh, rather Arkansas got a couple uh, garbage touchdowns at the end of that game. A&M, I love their defense. Offense isn't bad either. Solid running game with a solid one-two punch. And Isaiah Spiller and Devon Ajante. Uh, I like AM in this spot. Oh, by the way, AM has won 11 in a row very, very quietly. Take AM lane four and a half on a neutral field. I'm with you, man. I like uh, Clemson in this game. Clemson against NC State. Clemson has not, uh, you know, looked good offensively, but their defense, phenomenal. Uh, much different story in the defensive side of the ball. Clemson is the only defense in college football that hasn't allowed a touchdown. That's right. I can't see how NC State is going to be able to score here uh, very much at all, and it definitely won't be on the ground because when NC State faced Mississippi State, they had a total of 34 yards running the football on 25 carries. If we do the math, uh, Trevor Match, I believe that's a yard a carry, uh, barely that. And they lost 24 to 10, by the way. Yeah, Clemson has dominated the series, outscoring them in the last two games, 96 to 17, including 55 to 10 when they met two years ago in 2019. Clemson gets back to being Clemson. They get it right. Lay it with Clemson. And. Double B, I'm with you, man. Michigan State and Nebraska, two totally different teams as far as confidence goes. Nebraska doesn't know who they are at this point in time. They played decent against OU, but that was a big rivalry game. This week, much different circumstances. They're going on the road for the second straight week against uh, a team that is sky high in the Michigan State Spartans. Michigan State, 3-0. Beat Northwestern on the road to open the season rather convincingly. And then they went to Miami last week and blasted the Hurricanes 38-17. Not a lot of people thought they could do that. Their running game is solid. Kenneth Walker transferred from Wake Forest, who was a very good running back. Now he's at Michigan State. And he had uh, 72 yards last week against Miami. And then Peyton Thorne's a pretty solid quarterback. Nine touchdowns, no interceptions for Thorne. I like Sparty laying five against Nebraska. Double B, kick us off. NFL, your three best. Well, we've already touched on two of them, so I won't recap it, but uh, I do like the Rams. I like the Rams to really take it to the Buccaneers at home. Uh, I like the 49ers. I think they're just a better team than the Packers. I think they will uh, uh, be able to keep that game very, very tight and win the game going away. Then my last pick, I'm going to take the Chargers. I'm going to take seven points against the Chiefs. The Chargers are in every single game. They haven't quite figured out how to win, but they're close. They got beat at the wire last week when the Cowboys kicked the field goal. I know that there were more Cowboy fans probably than Charger fans in SoFi Stadium. Uh, The Chiefs never seem to be, it's not like they were two years ago. They don't put teams away. They keep them around. So I think this game stays within a touchdown. I took the Chargers. Okay. Double B coming strong. Trevor Manich, give us your three best NFL games. Okay, we've got Arizona laying seven and a half against Jacksonville, and I say lay them. 
Lay them and be happy. The Cardinals offense is on fire. They're averaging 36 points per game. Kyler Murray, at quarterback, is playing lights out. And Jacksonville can't get anything done on either side of the ball. Offensively, they're not even trying to run. When they do, they're okay, and they're averaging four and a half yards per carry. But they've got an NFL low 32 rushing attempts through the first two games. They're just trying to have Trevor Lawrence beat everybody with his arm, or they're trying to be in desperate catch-up mode with Trevor Lawrence with his arm. Either way, I don't think that's going to be enough because the biggest vulnerability that the defense of Arizona has shown so far has been they've given up some big plays in the passing game, and I don't think Jacksonville is going to be able to hit it. I think Arizona is going to outscore them, and I think the wheels are going to come off the Jacksonville Jaguars in the second half again, lay the seven and a half with Arizona. Then, I've got the Tennessee Titans laying five and a half at home against Indianapolis. I'd say Tennessee, lay the points. Indianapolis is a wreck right now. The quarterback, Carson Wentz, isn't all that great when he's healthy, and he's working on two sprained ankles. He was rolling around the complex on a scooter earlier in the week, and he may play. If he doesn't, it's Jacob Eason. Either way, I think there's a huge advantage at quarterback with Ryan Tannehill with Tennessee. Also, though, look out for Julio Jones. They acquired him from Atlanta in a trade. He spent most of the offseason with Tennessee injured. Nursing injuries, coming back to get healthy. All of a sudden, against Seattle last week, he exploded. He was he had 128 yards on six catches. That's 21 yards per catch to complement Derrick Henry and that terrific running game. I think the addition of Julio Jones out of this offense, the Colts will not be able to handle with their injury issues, especially on defense. The offense won't keep up. Take the Titans, lay the point. And then we've got New Orleans at New England. I say go under 42-and-a-half, under in this game. New Orleans scored 38 against the Packers in Week 1, but that's a bit of a mirage. There were three turnovers, a lot of short fields. Jameis Winston actually threw five touchdown passes, but he didn't crack 150 yards passing because he was so close to the goal line the whole time. Last week was their first true road game, and New Orleans scored seven points. I think that will continue. Then you've got a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones starting for the Patriots, and I think that while last week he didn't throw the ball deep down the field, this week he won't either. I think Bill Belichick will protect him and will want to keep this a close, low-scoring game and try not to lose it, which Belichick is wont to do. I say take the under with the Saints at the Patriots. There it is. Matthew Holt, what do you got? I'm jumping on board with Ryan here with the Chargers plus seven. Look, Kansas City's allowing almost 33 points per game and have been out first down 55 to 43 on the season and out first down on rushing plays 27 to 6. They just do not pick up first downs on the run at all. They're still too predicated on the big play. Look, the char- every single week it's the Chargers in a tight game. I'm going to take the seven points with the Chargers here. I'm going to go ahead and take the ugly pick here. The Detroit Lions plus eight. Baltimore coming off their biggest win of the season. Uh, you know, come from behind victory against the Kansas City Chiefs. But at the end of the day, the Detroit defense has only allowed 11 rushing first downs on the season, despite the fact that one of those games was against one of the best rushing teams in the NFL in the San Francisco 49ers. We know if Baltimore can't run the ball, then Lamar Jackson gets in trouble and starts to have turnovers. Look, Jared Goff has 584 passing yards and five touchdowns in two games. 
This Detroit offense has been able to move the ball. The back door certainly wide open with the eight points. I'm going to take Detroit plus eight, and I'm going to lay three and a half points with the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott, 640 yards passing and a 7.5 yards per attempt already. This guy's on fire. I trust the Dallas offense. On the other side, Jalen Hurts is sort of an enigma. Looked really good in game one. Last week against San Francisco, they only score 11 points at home. Jalen Hurts, 12 for 23 passing for less than 200 yards. I think we're going to see a lot of ups and downs with Jalen Hurts this season. Not sure if this is going to be one of those weeks or not, but I know that Dallas offense is one I could trust, and I'm laying three and a half with the Cowboys. All right. I'm going to go one game with Trevor, one game with Matt here, and I love the Tennessee Titans too, Trevor. Uh, Laying five against the Indianapolis Colts. Tennessee woke up last week. They were good to me with that Seattle win outright. Derrick Henry, 183 yards rushing, 237 total from scrimmage, and Tennessee has that mojo after they're going to return home after losing that opener at home to Arizona. Arizona. I cannot see Tennessee losing two home games in a row, especially against this opponent. The Colts are a mess right now. Carson Wentz, is he going to play or not? Hadn't practiced all week until today. Two sprained ankles. That means if he can't go, it's Jacob Eason or Brett Hundley. And we know the story with those guys. But the story is Derrick Henry. He has crushed the Colts repeatedly. He rushed for over 100 yards in three straight games against the Colts. And he averages 172 from scrimmage in the last six meetings against the Colts. I love the Titans in this spot. I'm going to take the Rams against the Bucks. They met two years ago. Tampa won this game 55-40. to Goff threw for 517 yards, but he turned it over four times. And Stafford's much better than Goff, as we know, and he's looking really good with the Rams right now. The Rams will move the ball, but this game is going to be one on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's all about Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, and company. They're going to give Brady fits, and Tampa Bay hasn't been able to run the ball. Ronald Jones has been awful. And new Rams defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, where'd he come from? Former Tampa Bay coach, right? He'll be ready to beat his old team. I like the Rams here at home. And I'm with you, Matt. I like Dallas over Philadelphia. This is all about the defense in this game. Dallas leads the league in forcing turnovers at six. Philadelphia on the other side, they have yet to force a turnover all season. You know how much I love Jalen Hurts. But I like Philadelphia in this spot. Laying three and a half. And, uh, again, you know, they lost their best player in Brandon Graham, Philadelphia has uh, last week. Uh, the Dallas O averaging 435 yards per game. They're connecting on a league-best 56% on third down. You know how much I love third down conversions, Double B. And Dak Prescott, by the way, hey, 23 for 27 last week uh, against the Chargers. So, I like the Cowboys. So there you go. Those are our best bets. They are up all on the website as well, too, at tcmartinshow.com. So go ahead and check it all out. You've got uh, Trevor's picks, Matt's picks, and uh, Scott Spritzer. And they're all up there as well as ours as well, too. All right. I just noticed you're wearing dolphin colors, though. Well, uh, my shorts, what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess you could say that. Yeah, uh, difficult, difficult. But I, I got some silver and black on here at the top, so give me a break, all right? <laughs> are you, you going to make it to the tailgate on, on Sunday? Absolutely. You invited me to the tailgate? I'm yes. down for the tailgate. Yeah, I it. can hardly wait. All are right. you kidding? Charlie cooking it up? Of course. Silver and black Charlie? Yes. I can hardly wait. No doubt about it. All right, Trevor Maddich, we appreciate you, brother. Check Trevor out. He'll be on the radio all day tomorrow nationally on ESPN uh, following all the college games. We appreciate you, my man, and Matt. We appreciate you, of course, as well, too. Their picks up on the website. Appreciate you guys mightily. 
All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Right. Best of luck. Yeah, thanks, guys. Take care, Trevor. Appreciate it. All right, appreciate Nick Nice back in the studio. And, of course, Numchuck here and count with a K all the way from Canada off of WestJet. By the way, you do know somebody at WestJet, don't you? I, I, I have a connection at WestJet. I heard that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. All right. Uh, what's on the menu tonight? STK, huh? STK tonight. Beautiful. STK. You know what we're going to do right now? We're going to go to the Ghost Donkey, and we're going to have a, some uh, some nachos and uh, maybe just a tequila variety. Tequila and nachos. Cat with a, a K loves that. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. First time I've seen Cat with a K is uh, her, her other side, her better half here. Very Chad's nice. here. He's a big, big football fan. He's excited yeah. to go to the Raiders, and he's doing the doubleheader, going to the night's preseason game as well. you got to love it, man. you got to love it. All right, Double B, have yourself a good one. I will see you Sunday. You donned. I'll be in my media neutral gear. I'm sorry. You'll be in your silver and black, but uh, I'll be hungry. Tell Charlie I'm coming hungry. I'm wearing the ghost. Chad's wearing Bo Jackson. We're ready to go. <laughs> you got to love it. Ghost of the post. Yeah, that's right. you got to love it. All right, you miss any part of the show, go to the website, stream us live Monday through Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. And check out the best bets, our interview with Andrea Kramer, HBO Real Sports, her profile about Mark Davis and the Raiders' great stuff that aired this past week on HBO. Listen to our conversation with Andrea. It's on the website. It's all there. TCMartinShow.com. Have yourself a great weekend, and we're back at it again Monday at 2 o'clock. Enjoy your football.